0: What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Bruce Nolan from Buffalo Rumblings, and I am your temporary host of Locked on Bills. Happy Monday to you. Your usual host, Mr. Joe Marino, has just welcomed his first child with his wife into the world, a beautiful baby girl. They are taking some time to spend some time together as a family. As they celebrate this joyous moment, if you think about it and are so inclined, send him an email, joe at thedraftnetwork.com, shoot him a note on Twitter, at the Joe Marino, congratulate him and his wonderful wife on this monumental occasion. But you've got me for today, for Locked on Bills, and we're going to talk about some things that are relevant to the chronological cycle of the offseason that the Bills happen to find themselves in. The Shrine game was this past Saturday, and I sat down with my notebook and I jotted down some things that I think are relevant from this game and how they fit into the Bills' needs this offseason. So what we're going to do on today's podcast is we are going to spend some time outlining the Bills' needs for this offseason with certain assumptions, and then go to the Shrine game and say, okay, are there any players in this game that might be able to ad- help us address these needs for the Buffalo Bills? Now, a couple of assumptions need to be made when we're going to discuss this. The first assumption is for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to assume that Adrian Waddle, Quentin Spain, Kevin Johnson, Jordan Phillips, and Shaq Lawson all do not resign with the Buffalo Bills. I understand that the chances of that happening are very slim, but we're going to start from an idea that all unrestricted free agents are not with the team next year. In addition, I recognize that free agency comes before the draft, but for the purpose of the discussion, we're going to assume these holes are not filled with unrestricted free agents. Why are we making this assumption? We're making this assumption because we just need a baseline to start with. I fully recognize... That when we get to the draft, the same needs we have now will no longer be needs. Because Brandon Bean has openly said that he wants to go into the draft without massive glaring holes so that he can take the best player available. Now, we all know he doesn't necessarily always do that. He identifies players that he wants at positions that he wants them at. And so far, it's been working pretty well. It's hard to argue with the trade-up philosophy that Brandon Mean has when it's been working the way it's been working over the last couple of years. But you can't address every single need with a first-round pick. One of the things Joe talked about last week is that there's more to the draft than just the first-round pick. And there's more to an offseason than just the first-round pick. And that's where the Shrine game comes into play. Something you need to understand about the players who are playing in the Shrine game is that the best players in this game might sneak into day two of the draft. But the vast majority of these players are day three or priority free agent players. That's an important note to understand. But that doesn't mean you can't address a need later. Now, the probability of that person being an impact player when they walk in the door is lower because you drafted them later. But you can't spend your first-round pick on six different positions. And in this assumption, we have needs. So we're going to go through this thought experiment together, and we're going to come up with what would be the Bills' needs if we didn't re-sign anybody. If we just went straight from the offseason, everybody left in free agency, wham, draft. Then what? So the first need would be CB2. Tredavious White is an all-pro player on one side of that defense. But Kevin Johnson has left in this scenario, and Levi Wallace has proven that he's more of a depth player. So where do we go with cornerback? The next need is wide receiver, and specifically the need for a top three wide receiver. The drop-off after John Brown and Cole Beasley is fairly significant. I apologize for the Duke Williams stands out there. But we need another top three receiver in this scenario. We would need a defensive end, Shaq Lawson, We'll have walked out the door, and I don't want Trent Murphy opposite Jerry Hughes. I'm pretty sure you don't want that either. The next need would be backup three-tech defensive tackle because in this scenario, Jordan Phillips has walked. We need somebody to back up Ed Oliver. I understand that Ed Oliver will very likely get a larger percentage of the snaps next year than he did this year, but we're still going to need somebody to take the load off of him in that scenario. We would need some offensive line because Quentin Spain didn't resign, which means we either plugged in Long in that spot or we moved over Ford. Either way, we've depleted ourselves of either a swing interior guard that we had backing up the center, left guard, right guard when we moved Spencer Long or we moved Ford over, we put Inseki at right tackle and now we lose depth at tackle. Either way, in this scenario, you would need another offensive line prospect. Running back, I do not think Frank Gore will be back with this team next year. And we're going to need somebody to complement Devin Singletary. Linebacker, I understand depth at this position is a smaller need. A lot of people say, how do we replace Lorenzo Alexander? You don't replace Lorenzo Alexander. That's not what you do. But you do need linebacker depth there. I know you have Voshan Joseph coming back from his rookie year where he had an injury but there needs to be some depth at linebacker. So these are some of the needs that you would have in this scenario. And you can't address them all with the first-round pick. You're going to need some later picks to come in and help you here. And that's where the Shrine game comes into play. So what can we do using the Shrine game as a barometer for some of these late day two, middle of day three, maybe some priority free agent pickups that can help the Bills? But before we do, guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness they're made in the usa and since blue chew prepares and ships direct they're cheaper than a pharmacy right now we've got a special deal for our listeners visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code locked on just pay five dollars shipping again that's b l u e chew.com promo code locked on to try it free blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice Welcome back, Bills Mafia, to Locked on Bills. I'm your temporary host, Bruce Nolan, filling in for Joe Marino, and let's jump right back into it. So we're talking about the Bills' needs and how potentially some of these needs can get filled via players we may have seen on Saturday at the Shrine game. So before we get into that, real fast, we are still planning on doing Twitter Tuesday. So make sure you send Joe the emails, joe at the draft or tweet at him at the Joe Marino on Twitter with hashtag Twitter Tuesday. We'll get your questions compiled. We'll get them answered on tomorrow's show. So let's get into it. Some of the players that I really like in the Shrine game that I think can help us out as maybe late day two, midday three. Priority free agent players. Let's start with cornerback. Now, we know that in this scenario, Levi Wallace is not somebody we necessarily want to have on the outside. But there might be an opportunity with Oklahoma's Parnell Motley. You're going to hear a lot about this guy moving up to the NFL draft. He has the length. He has the aggressiveness. He's a tackler. I understand that you might immediately write him off because he comes from Oklahoma and you think, well, gosh, Oklahoma's never been known for their defense. And that's true. But he profiles as a really good zone corner at the next level. He gets to his landmarks well in zone coverage. He understands the feel for zone coverage and when people are passing through. He's an aggressive and physical tackler. He'll come up and support the run. He may not necessarily run in the low 4-4s. He might be a high 4-4, low 4-5 kind of guy, but when you run a primarily zone-based defense, you can get away with having longer, more aggressive, not necessarily as fast players, especially when you have safeties the way that the Bills do in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer to be able to help you on the back end. Moving along to wide receiver, there's a person I would like to introduce you to and that is Benjamin Victor from Ohio State. Now, I am a little bit more familiar with Benjamin Victor than perhaps some other people might be, given the fact that I am an Ohio State alum and an Ohio State fan. Benjamin Victor has the size that Bills fans are currently coveting in the position. He has a leaner frame. He's a long strider. He doesn't necessarily do really well with in-cutting routes, but... If you believe in Chad Hall, Benjamin Victor is the type of player you pick at the back end of the draft in order to develop him and say, you know what, this guy has the tools. A lot of people thought he was one of the most disappointing prospects of this recent Ohio State team being outshined by players like Terry McLaurin and KJ Hill because he had this physical talent and it just never really clicked into being dominant. He had flashes of dominance. He had flashes of ridiculous ball skills and end zone mossing guys and all the things that people really like. He had some, dare I even say, T Higgins moments. And those moments are enough to get you drafted if you believe in your coaching staff's ability to be able to develop a player like that. Let's talk about pass rusher. We have talked about the fact that pass rushers go high and that you may not have the opportunity to get an impact pass rusher later in the draft. Joe has said on this podcast, and I agree with him, that if we have a top pass rusher and a top wide receiver both on the board at 22, I tend to lean toward... The pass rusher, just because of supply and demand, not because I think it's necessarily a bigger need than wide receiver, but because your propensity for getting both of them filled is higher if you get a defensive end first, as opposed to you getting a wide receiver first. But what if you didn't? What if you were dead set on Laviska Chenault at 22, or dead set on T. Higgins at 22, or God forbid, what if Henry Ruggs is there at 22? He very likely won't be. But you absolutely want to get a pass rusher later in the draft. What do you do? You go find Alex Highsmith from Charlotte. He was very quietly the nation's second leading sack artist behind a guy you may have heard of named Chase Young. You watch him on tape. He oftentimes played standing up on the end of the line of scrimmage. I actually think that the Browns would actually like them, you know, with Woods being a Phillips disciple and having that kind of 3-4, 4-3 sort of hybrid scheme where the end actually stands up, I think he would do well in Cleveland. But he can absolutely play with his hand in the dirt. Now, his ability against the run does leave something to be desired, but he plays disciplined on the back end, and he has explosive ability to be able to get to the quarterback. You don't get that many sacks if you can't get to the quarterback. Alex Highsmith from Charlotte is a name I want you guys to think about. And really, that's what we're doing right now. What we're doing is we're planting these names into your brain so that as you watch the Combine and the Senior Bowl and Path to the Draft and everything you're going to watch leading up to the NFL Draft, you will recognize these names. You won't just recognize the first round players and then you get to the second round and go, I don't know who that guy was. You want to be a well-rounded fan as you watch the draft, and what we're going to do is we're going to try and inject some of these names for you to keep an eye on, and Alex Highsmith from Charlotte is one of them. What about backup three-tech defensive tackle? If Jordan Phillips leaves, we need somebody in that spot. That may be something we address in free agency, but like I mentioned earlier, for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to assume we didn't. Let's talk about McTelvin Ageem from Arkansas. Somebody who has explosive traits, who has a little bit of ability to disengage with a swim move, but sometimes struggles when he gets double teamed and gets pushed off a spot against the run game. That's somebody Bills fans should keep an eye on, knowing full well that out of all the people I mentioned, I would make an argument Jordan Phillips is the most likely to not be back with the team. Now, you might think that Corey Legion... Who I actually like in that role. I mean, if you're going to give him 20% of the snaps, sure, I'll take it. 20% of the snaps at three tech defensive tackle is perfectly reasonable for Corey Legit. But if you don't like Corey Legit and you want to draft that backup, then McTelvin Aguim is somebody you should look at. Go look up his tape. Watch him against Ole Miss. Watch him against other SEC teams. There are things to work with with that player. Watch him in the Shrine game. They talk about him because they know he's an explosive player who has a better chance than a lot of people in that draft class to be drafted higher. What if you want an offensive lineman from the Shrine game? What if that's where your target is? Let me introduce you to Kelvin Dotson from Louisiana Lafayette. I understand that the raging Cajuns might not be front of mind for you, but he's going to get drafted higher than you think. And one of the things I really like about Kevin Dotson when I watch him on tape is he has the ability to find work. He climbs to the second level. He recognizes when there's somebody trying to shoot a gap on him. For a guy who's a guard, he moves well in that space. When he has to find work, he does it. And there's a possibility that if Quentin Spain isn't back, Kelvin Dotson could be the man. And he could be a guy who teams look at after the first wave of guards is off the board who will probably get pushed up higher because this is not a very good guard class. This is a much better tackle class than it is a guard class. And with that, someone like Kelvin Dotson could get picked a lot higher than you think. You might see his name come across the board on Friday or Saturday and go, Goodness gracious, really? Louisiana Lafayette has a guard getting drafted this high? Yes, they do. Not just because he's a good player, but also the supply and demand pushes him higher up the board because of how mediocre this guard class is. Let's talk about a compliment for Devin Singletary. I am not on board with taking a running back high in this class. Now, You might find that hard to believe. If any of you have listened to the Nick and Nolan show on Buffalo Rumblings, you will know that I'm not usually in favor of taking a running back high in any class, but specifically in this class where I think there are lots of mid-round players. I'm a big Zach Moss fan that can come in and be a complimentary back to Devin Singletary and get you what you need. Now, do you want an explosive satellite player? Do you want someone who's a little bit more of a bruiser in between the tackles? Let me pitch you a name. James Robinson, Illinois State. Funny story, I actually have a connection with Illinois State University. I spent a couple years of my life in Bloomington, Illinois, which is where Illinois State is located. I used to go and watch the Illinois State basketball games with Skip Schaefbauer and Rico Hill. Those were the players who were big-time stars for Illinois State basketball at the time. And I stay up with Illinois State basketball because of that. Now, I also stay up with Illinois State football. And James Robinson has the vision and contact balance that I love in my running backs. Now, the long speed is a question. Now, he broke off a couple big ones. In the Shrine game. And that maybe set a couple eyebrows up. Like maybe the long speed is really there. I'll be very interested to see how he runs at the Combine. Because that was a concern about him. People wanted to know if he had that breakaway speed. We already have someone on our roster in Devin Singletary who runs a 4.66 And doesn't have the ability to take it to the house from 60 yards away. One of the questions is, do you want another guy who's not explosive in your backfield. My answer to that question was, let's find out how explosive he is on tape. It looks like there's a deficiency there, but let's go to the combine. Let's see where he runs and let's see if there's something maybe we can work with. Perhaps he's someone who has the ability and just needs to drop a couple more pounds. Maybe he's someone where a year's worth of work in an NFL strength and conditioning will help him get a little bit faster. We've seen running backs like Le'Veon Bell, like Marshawn Lynch, transform their bodies and become more explosive players. I'm not saying that James Robinson is one of those players. I'm saying that speed can be accounted for in some scenarios. Maybe he's got something there, but James Robinson from Illinois State, somebody to keep an eye on. At linebacker, Michael Divinity Jr., LSU. Now, I will openly admit one of my sleeper draft crushes in this year's class. I find myself whenever I do the Draft Network's mock draft machine on the DraftNetwork.com. I always find myself ending up with Definity in the middle rounds of this draft because I'm always shocked he's on the board. I shouldn't be at this point, but I'm always shocked he's on the board. He's someone I think is a good fit in today's modern NFL. He can rush the passer from the outside. He can play in space. I've seen him take on some blockers. Watch the Auburn game if you want to see him take on some blockers and win. And I think that Divinity is someone you can pick up in those middle rounds. Because remember, linebacker is sneaky need depth here. Behind Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, it's looking not great, Bob. We got really lucky there. And not have had a lot of injuries in the last two years. But we don't want to tempt fate there. I'm not saying you pick Michael Divinity Jr. And you plug him in right with Lorenzo Alexander. Because that's not how this works. But he's someone who can do some things that will help you offset that. I think he can play on special teams. He's a physical mover in space, and I think that that's someone who I watched during the Shrine game who I think could help this team in the middle rounds. That's it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Locked on Bills talking about how some players you may have seen at the Shrine game might be able to help the Bills fill some needs later in the draft. Make sure to get your Twitter Tuesday questions in. Email Joe at thedraftnetwork.com or send him a tweet at the Joe Marino on Twitter with the hashtag TwitterTuesday so we can make sure we get those things answered on tomorrow's podcast. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Bills.